0: Hello. Welcome. It's me. <laughs> I mean, it's Rachel. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, we're... My brain is
0: fried. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. We're wait. doing great. <laughs> yeah, 10 out of 10. It's a Monday evening for us. So, um, I just did a, a Peloton ride on my fake Peloton bike, and it had on, like, the Hamilton soundtrack, and that made me think of you. Yeah,
1: we. I got I got a new car, and oh, it yay! has, like, a... a panoramic sunroof um it's really cool that we put out put up a sunroof and we're just driving around downtown because why not and i like we have like hamilton like blasting and i'm like this is my this is dream come true i love hamilton um sorry
0: i was jamming it was like a broadway ride so i was just like but also oh my god i get so sweaty on that bike. It -hmm. is disturbing. And I also just put on a shirt because Evan has like meetings now and he, where he has his little desk is like, so I was like done with my ride and I was like suffocating because the, the, um, forced air heat, like from time to time, it just like dries out my throat so much that I just start like hysterically coughing Mm -hmm. and I just need water or I'm going to die. So, um, I've been, like, crawling on the floor behind him so I don't show up in his meetings, so I just finished the ride, I'm super sweaty, I'm, like, crawling on the floor trying not to cough to get to the kitchen to get some water, except I just started coughing, like, right behind him, and then I got to the kitchen and started drinking water and ate some honey, and I'm better now, I feel kind of bad, but you know what? deal with it
1: i mean this is this is just an unintended side effect of the virtual world that we live in so
0: yes whatever.
1: get a blur background on evan it'll be he
0: does have the blur background but the problem is when i
1: walk behind him oh really you can see me really mm-hmm. oh Jarrell's like com- like no one ever noticed this and he's just living his best life
0: i don't think anyone probably on his calls would care but yeah. also i'm like i don't want to be in this call like super sweaty sure in a sports bra coughing
1: no one wants to see that
0: uh no (laughs) no
1: plenty of people would i'm sure
0: but also on that note i'm sorry if my audio sounds horrible today guys because i couldn't find my cord for my to connect to my uh microphone real microphone you sound
1: sound good you you sound fine um but yeah as always we may or may not have weird sounding issues um when you're listening to it bear with us we are the fact that i'm
0: here is a miracle (laughs)
1: right okay Okay. (laughs) (laughs) sorry hi i'm rachel and i'm natalie Welcome to Pink Collar, a true crime podcast focusing on crimes committed exclusively by women. Each week we'll be bringing you a brand new case focusing on the psychology behind these crimes and advocating for early intervention. Please subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.
0: For every review, we will donate a dollar to the National Center for Victims of Crime.
1: um okay so um i yeah we just are gonna get started on today i am let's
0: get it started hot huh? let's get it started here let's get it started hot
1: huh? no, <laughs> all right um welcome back from that commercial break. is that like black
0: eyed peas
1: um I don't
0: know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely recognizing that. So whatever that um, So, yeah, so this week I am leading you guys on this journey. Um, Rachel has no idea who I'm doing because I don't have time to text people back because i'm busy um so <laughs> it's a surprise the theme is a surprise um i mean we can pull out a theme there's, as i was writing and i was like there's so many things we could go with bizarre first names we could go with <laughs> all sorts of things so i will set the stage for my case we're gonna go back in time to a land far 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 away called the united states of america Um, and we, setting the stage, it's November 2016. What happened in November 2016, Rachel? Uh, Becca's birthday. Okay, what happened nationally (laughs) in 2016, Rachel?
0: A tragedy (laughs) of epic proportions.
1: (laughs) The election
0: of our nearest and dearest yes hashtag not my president
1: um some may refer to him as the occupant um So yeah um, On November 8th, 2016 Donald J. Trump and Michael Pence A man that I had never heard of um, Became the president and vice president-elect With 304 electoral votes Compared to Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine Another man that I had never heard of um, Compared to their 227 electoral votes Um, The initial uproar Other than the fact that an unfit reality TV star just won the election for one of the most powerful countries in the world um, by riding the back of xenophobia, um, was that Trump-Pence lost the popular vote to Clinton-Kane by nearly 3 million votes. Um, And so I'll spare you all the political tirades um, since you got a handful of that or a mouthful of that last week. Um, But yeah, not cool. Abolish the Electoral College. Anyway, so by January 6, 2017, the U.S. intelligence community concluded that the Russian government deliberately interfered with the 2016 election this was largely brushed off by Trump and his supporters as, quote, fake news. Um, uh, but the statement from the U.S. intelligence Community was that the Russian government that sorry was that it was the ref, Russian God, uh, was that it was the Russian government's intention to undermine public faith in the U.S. Democratic process, denigrate Secretary Clinton and harm her electability and potential presidency. And so four months later in May, a special counsel was convened to actually do an investigation. And so this was more or less like a speculative conclusion by different agencies within the different like intelligence agencies within the United States. and so, between May and June of 2017, the Intercept, which is a nonprofit news or- organization, received mailed copies of a confidential of sorry of confidential NSA documents that detailed Russian interference in the 2016 election. The Intercept made the very interesting decision to send the documents to the National Security. Associate Administration National Security Administration is the NSA um, To confirm the validity Of the documents And in doing so as a news Organization they failed To adequately protect their source By just outright sending The actual documents Which eventually led to the arrest Of an intelligence specialist Named Reality Winner Fascinating name Mm. Um, and so, um, I don't know how much you know about, uh, the case, this case. I knew nothing. She was just trending on Twitter, and so I was like, I'll do this case. Um, and- I think I'm, like, vaguely familiar. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been a few, like, cases, like, within our lifetime of, um, women- uh, leaking documents federal documents for whatever reason um so yeah very interesting but so reality winner was born in texas in 1991 and so obviously her name is interesting um both first and last name that is her real last name her parents last name as well um as far as the name reality, um, I looked into it, and according to a like um, article in the in New York magazine, um, it says that it was her dad, Ronald, who named her. Um, her father and mother had a deal that the mom got to name the first child. She went with Brittany, because why not? Um, and then with the second child, the dad would get the opportunity to choose. And so during a Lamaze class, he saw a somebody wearing a t-shirt that said, I coached a real winner. And he decided that he wanted a success story to be built into his child's identity and decided to name reality winner um which I don't I appreciate the optimism and the uniqueness I guess um and then another fun fact just about the name is that she I was reading in the article that Facebook apparently rejected her name as being a legal name because it was like no one's name to reality winter or sorry reality winner and so she But they did accept the name Reezle So she went by Reezle Winner on Facebook Which I just thought was very Like yeah R-E-E-Z-L-E Which Like that's more realistic than reality I guess I don't know I guess (laughs) Um, Anyway so At an early age, um, Reality's father inspired her and encouraged her interest in learning Arabic and understanding geopolitics and what contributed to global crises um, or um, the different political motivations for um, things like the September 11th um, attacks on the World Trade Center and other areas of the United States um, by the Taliban. And so she... She ended up becoming, I guess, some sort of, like, wealth of knowledge when it came to um, Middle Eastern, U.S. relations, um, geopolitics generally, um, and that sort of stuff. And so, and this was, like, through high school, you know, really being in-depth about this and, like, studying Arabic and other languages like that. And so in 2010, when she was 19 years old, she enlisted in the United States Air Force. Um, She served six years, and her highest rank was senior airman with the 94th Intelligence Squadron. She received training in language and intelligence. Uh, Her major asset to the military was that she was fluent in Farsi, the Dari dialect, and in Pashto, which I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Um, And she was stationed at Fort Meade and on a secret mission uh, while... Station, stateside, um, and so her mission was basically to eavesdrop, eavesdrop on communications in Afghanistan to identify targets for drone strikes. In 2016, she was awarded the Air Force Commendation Medal for quote 600 enemies killed in action. In the news, Reality reported seeing that the missions that she was working on had a higher casualty rating or civilian casualty rating than what she was led to believe while in service. And so this led to extreme guilt, depression and bulimia. Um, And it's very likely that she was probably experiencing some, you know, anywhere from mild to moderate or severe PTSD symptoms as well, Um, just because it wasn't as simple as just eavesdropping, like, there were actual video, and she, Mm -hmm. um, there was, uh, there was something in that article that said that while she didn't tell her mom explicitly what her job was, she did say something to her mom once about when you're watching somebody on a screen, and then they go poof, you want to make sure that you're making the right call, like, you want to make sure that you're, you know, sending the right information, and so... Sounds like there was surveillance and she was, you know, watching these strikes happen as well. Um, and so, um, just kind of keeping that possibly in mind, um, to help understand maybe her motivations. Um, so she ended up being... After all of that, she ultimately decided that she wanted to leave the military, so she was honorably discharged in 2016, at which point she moved to Augusta, Georgia, and she leveraged her top secret security clearance to secure a job at the Pluribus Pluribus International Corporation, um, which is a small firm. That takes federal contracts with agencies such as the NSA um, to whom they provide, quote, high quality analytical, operational, engineering, and program management support. Super fancy. Wow. Um, Right. And so in February 2016, Reality was assigned to work at the Fort Morgan U.S. Army Post to translate documents about Iran's um, aerospace program to English. Um, So from, I guess, Farsi to English. And so while translating these documents, Reality came across classified intelligence documents providing evidence that the Russian government did, in fact, interfere with the 2016 election. Um, so these were the specific documents that reality ended up making copies of. Around the same time, President Trump or occupant Trump was making the rounds casting as much doubt about Russian interference about the election um, or, you know, in which they interfered in the election in his favor. Um, and so on an interview with John Dickerson, um, Trump had said... Sure I'll go along with Russia But it could have been China It could have been a lot of different groups Um, He also says If you don't catch a hacker Okay in the act It's very hard to say who did the hacking Which I think is a very interesting statement When you think about How this case goes for reality Um, And so um, So yeah This is all happening But like despite his You know protestations um trump the nsa and reality like all knew that the russians had interfered with the election um some might say that it was in fact reality lol oh
0: no (laughs) i suppose we all
1: should have seen that coming uh yeah you know how many times do you think she hears that all the time oh god yeah Uh, Yeah unfortunate but I mean It's a name that stands out so Like imagine if she decides to go Be a contestant on a reality TV show It's like she's speaking it into existence Just by being there (laughs) Um, Anyway so according to Reality she kept thinking My god somebody needs to step Forward and put this right somebody Eventually Reality made the decision to leak The documents to a news outlet The Intercept In an interview with CBS News about the documents, she said, I knew it was a secret, but I knew I had, but I also knew that I had pledged service to the American people, and at that point in time, it felt like they were being led astray. She said she was aware that um, once the NSA would look into who printed the documents, she knew that they would plainly see her name on the network as the person who printed the document so she was aware that um you know it would have consequences um or very likely would have consequences if her, her um if the nsa was tipped off specifically to these documents as being the source for the article that the intercept would eventually come out with And so after The Intercept carelessly attempted to confirm the documents with the NSA by literally sending the NSA the documents, in June of 2017, federal agents showed up at Reality's car one day, and they asked her to participate in a voluntary interview. At that time, she wasn't charged with anything, and her rights to an attorney were not offered. She initially lied about mailing the report, but within the same interrogation, she eventually caved and confessed, at which point she was arrested. And so all of this happens before The Intercept uh, Intercept ever releases their story. I doubt they ever even wrote the story just yet because things moved very quickly. Um... And so the reports that Reality stole by the time The Intercept does release the article, they write that it shows that the Russian military attempted to interfere with the 2016 presidential election by hacking a U.S. voting software supplier and sending spear phishing emails to more than 100 local election officials just days before the November 8th election. And so FBI agents um, obtained a warrant to search Reality's home. I guess the idea is like, well, if you did this, then were you stealing other documents? What other evidence is there lying around your house? Are you secretly a terrorist? Like, whatever. Um, And so they search her home, and they find some diaries of hers in which she expresses some sympathy for Afghanis, and she also expresses some negative sentiments towards the government. Mm. Um, And so all of these were used against her in court. And so this is where I'm like, with respect to... What her mission was, what she was doing as part of her job, what she was learning in the media, and how it was different than what she was being told, and like getting con- getting co- she getting awarded for—I cannot say mm-hmm. the word—by um, the military, and like how that clearly, very viscerally, affected her in terms of causing guilt. Mm-hmm. Like pushing her towards depression um, Probably influencing um, Her uh, bulimia um, Like I, I To me I don't think that Her expressing sympathy for People in Afghanistan Indicates that she has anti-american sentiments especially if she just found out you know she just got an award for 600 enemies killed in action but turns out she's also killing a lot of civilians um without realizing um i don't i i don't think those two things are mutually exclusive i think you can love and serve your country as an american and then also feel bad for the civilians or you know people who are second war-torn countries um and then Also, also that the- is offensive that
0: they were allowed to use her diary, I guess, in whatever the search. It, to me, it just seems horrifying that someone can't have their private thoughts about something and be able to process that through a journal, through, or, uh, yeah, because I feel like if you have to keep so many things classified, then it's not like you can go talk to a friend about what's going on in your brain or yeah. you know your your only resources are probably your coworkers, but you might be hesitant to share certain information that could get you in trouble or i know that mental health can be a very hush hush topic so mm-hmm. i guess it just makes me sad that she was not allowed the opportunity to have a, a private space <laughs>
1: yeah you know, like, sometimes what you write isn't, like, the full picture of everything that you're feeling. Some In some ways, especially when you're thinking about, like, processing certain things, it's like, could that have just been, you know, more or less a fleeting thought that she just felt like she really needed to get out there and write down? Like, there's no way to say that, like, this clearly shows, like, you know, whatever, however way they want to take it in court. Like, I don't think that they, that diaries in and of themselves are sufficient for any type of like indication unless it's like a step-by-step plan about how she's going to commit this crime and then commits that crime step-by-step like I just don't mm-hmm. to me it just seems wholly inappropriate and like unnecessary but what do I know I'm not a lawyer um and so she ultimately was charged with removing classified material from a government facility and mailing it to a news outlet outlet under the espionage act of 1917 and so so the rules and the enforcement of the espionage act actually got um like more robust and like stricter under the obama administration and some um like, experts kind of posit that because it got stricter under the Obama administration, it opened the door for Donald Trump's administration to, um, to kind of abuse the power of the Espionage Act, which could, some may say, happens here. Um, I'm not familiar enough with any type of spy anything to have a strong opinion but she ended up being the first person person to be charged under the espionage act of 1917 during donald j trump's occupation um and so on june 8th 2017 she ended up pleading not guilty um but she was denied bail and so using tweets where she expressed disapproval of the president and her diary message, the prosecution argued that she may have been involved in other acts of espionage and that she would likely flee the country if she were released on bail. And so it's also, you know, in terms of expressing disapproval for, like, the president, like, these are things where I'm like, how, what does that really indicate? Like there's so many different possibilities And sure on the extreme side Like yeah this person's a traitor or whatever But at the same time I think it's part of the Like American dream To be able to openly express satisfaction or disapproval For like what Your What your government is doing if you don't agree But then also you know Having had experiences Where I, I have been able to talk to people who've served and people who are experiencing trauma and PTSD from their time in service and feeling misled. There's also a lot of, um, or at least I've heard a lot of people experiencing um, like specifically betrayal trauma and just mm-hmm. feeling like I did this in service of my country, but my country wasn't clear to me. My country mm. made me believe that what I was doing was more or less victimless because I was only taking out the enemies, but they mm-hmm. didn't tell me that I was also killing children. And so, um, like, I think when you think about that part, that piece of the puzzle in terms of, like, the grief and the guilt and the trauma that she's experiencing, I think it stands to reason that somebody in that case, in that situation would be hypercritical of their government. Um mm-hmm and still I don't think it means that you don't love your country anymore, but like my country also made me do something under the guise of protecting people that actually led to other people being harmed. Um, mm-hmm. and so I don't know, I think there needs to be some sort of sensitivity to that. Um, which I don't think that she got. Um, but so she, heard. The defense files tons and tons of pleas uh, sorry appeals to see if she could get bail set but all of the um all of the appeals were denied and so the defense ends up filing to suppress her statements that she made to law enforcement during her voluntary interrogation before the FBI um, charged her or ever read her any Miranda rights. But, like, nothing was working out in their favor. And I think, especially when you're thinking of the federal government, they don't typically charge you on. Un- like, for me, I feel like you don't, t- it's more common to see the feds charge you for something and you're going away for it like it's you know they're not bringing about like a frivolous case even Mm -hmm. if it's all you know fake (laughs) fake evidence that they may be planted i feel like um usually if they charge you you're they have a strong enough case Mm -hmm. um and if they don't then they kill you in your sleep like they did fred hampton rest in peace um God, I love getting just political. Um, (laughs) I don't know enough to weigh in about... The Black Panthers? (laughs) Oh, I... He was was 21, leader of the Black Panthers. They had him, like, was it Hoover? Had him murdered in his sleep. Um, Was this in um, that one movie? Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah.
0: Oh, I was going to say The Trial of the
1: Chicago 7. No, wrong black people. (laughs) There was Black Panthers in that movie? I know, but I'm saying it's the wrong black person. (laughs) Okay, I'm just confused. (laughs) No, different, different, different case. Um, Highly recommend the movie. Um, No, because there
0: was a a guy in the Black Panther in that movie who was like the leader of the party and he was killed, wasn't he? Am I? Maybe I, I don't know. I'm I didn't not watch confusing. The movie. I'm not confusing him with the person, the the black man that was on trial. Never mind. <laughs> I just sound ignorant. Continue.
1: <laughs> um. I mean, maybe you aren't. I don't know. Let's, I'll look it up
0: on on my own time. I,
1: you, I, sure. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Never saw the Chicago movie, so Maybe I'm just being. It's really good. You should. You should. uh, You should watch. Okay. Um, And so, um, ultimately, in 2018, so a year after her being in prison without opportunity for bail, reality changed her plea from not guilty to guilty to one count of felony transmission of national defense information to a media outlet. And so, Reality received the longest ever sentence imposed in a federal court under the Espionage Act for unauthorized release of government information to the media, a sentence of five years and 31 months in prison. Um, But interestingly, within the plea agreement, they wrote that reality would specifically be transferred to a facility in which she could receive medical medical treatment for her bulimia nervosa, And they specifically chose the Federal Bureau of Prisons Federal Medical Center in Fort Worth, Texas, so that her family could be relatively close by during this particularly sensitive period. Obviously, somebody experiencing depression possible PTSD symptoms bulimia is in a particularly vulnerable state already and then also adding a um, prison sentence on top of that i think is for some could be a recipe for disaster in terms of your mental health and so it was interesting I, to me that they wrote that into the plea
0: i will say it is my opinion that it would be nearly impossible to receive adequate treatment while in custody of any Mm -hmm. sort, because a big portion of mental health treatment is to have people be functional in day-to-day settings, Mm -hmm. which no matter what is not possible when you are in custody. And There are higher levels of isolation from others, you're not having access likely to, like, being able to do things like just go outside, get fresh air, to engage in any type of exercise, your sleep schedule's probably altered, you're, you know, probably not having great access to a doctor or, uh, limited access sometimes to mental health providers, so, and you're probably more dealing with the immediate trauma of Mm -hmm. being incarcerated rather than having the the space to address you know and and two there I've you know heard stories of people who have been in in prison for a long time and just being out in the real world and this is anecdotal Mm -hmm. but you just can't function in the real world you're just not used to it so a lot of people will just do something to get themselves back in jail because that's where they feel comfortable. I'm off on a tangent now, but I just, I question, or uh, let's see, I'm listening to a podcast now called Sick, and Mm -hmm. it's about mental health treatment in um, prison facilities, and it's talking, or there was a particular episode discussing, um, like, suicide watch, Mm -hmm. and just how horrifying... That is essentially. I mean, it's not that they're providing you a comforting, helpful experience, which I would almost argue that you don't necessarily always get in the outside world either. If you call nine one one and express that you are having thoughts of harming yourself, there, I don't think is a perfect way. Uh, I mean, I always encourage someone who's having thoughts like that to to reach out, but um, there could be some improvements in the system. But definitely in prison, it's like they just lock someone in a room and then they have other people who are in jail. The inmates will be the ones to sit and watch and make sure that that person does not seriously harm themselves, which is insane that that's their responsibility.
1: Look at Rachel dropping knowledge. Um, Thanks for that. (laughs) I'm sorry. No. it's no, not really that, No, no. That I just feel good. very passionate about that. That's no, been sitting that in my was, brain for a while. No, that was good. I I appreciate that. I don't have that, you know, high caliber level of insight into anything. So, think It's just an interesting topic and mm-hmm.
0: it it worries me to hear the amount of things she was facing and and two just uh, for someone facing bulimia and being in a prison setting i definitely don't think that they're probably gonna be able to get adequate care and Mm -hmm. even the nutritional sustenance provided in prisons is just bad (laughs) it's just not good for you anyway (laughs) So that, I think, you know, is a very important integral part of treatment for eating disorders is, you know, making sure that people get the nutrients they need. I wonder. you don't get that anyway. So generally, generally
1: speaking. So, I mean, she's in a, a specifically a federal prison medical center. And so I'm curious. Obviously, some people do get treatment in uh, for like very very severe cases will be hospitalized for mm-hmm. like initial kind of stages of treatment in particular and so I'm curious one in typical situations when people are hospitalized and getting treatment for bulimia like what the nutrition kind of is like for those people, because I mean, there's general hospital food, but then I wonder, mm-hmm. like, what are they doing in addition to that for this specific population of people with an eating disorder, um, or? But then also, like, how how does that rank up to like what it would be like in a like a prison medical center in particular? Um, I don't know. Right. I,
0: it yes. I, and two, I could be talking totally out of my butt here, but I think generally the goals for facility, like prison facilities is just stabilization mm-hmm. rather than, you yeah. know, we just want you to get good enough to the point where you don't have to be here anymore. It doesn't, it, that could vary from from place to place or not Act. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk bad about anyone who who works in those settings because hey, I'm sure they do if, care
1: if you very are, much. If you are listening and you work in one of those settings, reach out. Come on the pod, we'll interview you. Oh it'll there's no way that they would be allowed to do that. I <laughs> but mean it'll be anonymous. We'll change your voice, everything. It'll be fine. <laughs> Just
0: kidding. God okay, we so. don't have the capacity. I don't even know. I can't even find my freaking cord for my (laughs) microphone
1: i need a reason to procrastinate so i'll just figure it out um so anyway so it was so interestingly um you know so she sentenced five years three months but then donald trump actually tweets back when he was allowed to tweet um something that was seemingly in support of reality he tweeted, ex NSA contractor, to spend sixty-three months in jail over quote classified end quote information. Gee, this is smuggle potatoes to what Hillary Clinton did. So unfair, Jeff. Double standard. And so it's like, okay, but like she also released documents that kind of point to a little bit of illegitimacy in your I don't know to me I'm like this is just Him dropping breadcrumbs to get Like some of his less informed Either less informed He just wanted to talk smack about Hillary he didn't really He didn't really know
0: what was going on
1: Not just that but then I also Feel like it's Kind of his way of Like pretending That Like he and his administration Is not somehow complicit In the fact that she's going to prison on a harsh sentence in some ways, like, wow, like, I think that this is, like, so ridiculous, but like, as the president, technically he can he can stop that, you know, like, he could influence or do anything, and so in particular, what I'm referring to is clemency, like, he can pardon her um, and so you know, despite, like, this you know, his, you know, BS tweet here, um, He, keeping in mind that this is the same administration who pardoned, like, Lil Wayne on federal guns charges after he endorsed President Trump in the election, like, keeping that in mind, despite him saying that basically, you know, what she did was small potatoes, um, he denied her petition for clemency. So, yeah, I'm just... mm, Donald Trump. Anyway, so, in... 2021 so june she was transferred from prison to a transitional facility um where i guess it sounds like a halfway house type of a situation um the objective is staying there for a little bit and then like it's a re-entry management center um and so yeah like i think she was released a little early on good behavior um despite there being several like national campaigns for um her to be receive clemency or to have her charges um overturned um and so yeah this um is basically the case of reality uh, winner she has been there's like a lot of stuff kind of related to her in um, Kind of the news You can see a few interviews that she did On like CBS I think 60 Minutes has one um, Some other articles But there's also a documentary Called The United States vs. Reality Winner um, Which premiered at South by Southwest This past March So if you can get your hands on that You can learn more about it too Wow uh, this, is,
0: this is a really interesting case especially too just beyond what she did beyond guilt or innocence I think just I actually pulled up an article about her and was kind of mm-hmm. reading along because I'm just intrigued and I wanted to see what she looked like too um, and <laughs> she I looks see like a
1: real winner
0: she's got <laughs> really cool pink hair yeah Um, she in this article specifically is going, uh, talking with the reporter about the effects on her mental health and there were periods of time that she was feeling suicidal and had plans, specific plans of what she wanted to do and was to the point where she was rehearsing what she wanted to do and the only thing that was keeping her here was her mom Mm -hmm. that She didn't want to to do that to her mom. Um, And she was, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, facing depression, bulimia while in prison. It also looks like, too, that there was some drug use in Uh or jail. Hold on. What? I just totally scrolled past that. Um, Let's see. Couldn't leave her cell. Couldn't work out. Every time I had to give in to my illness, I put it on my body, I cut myself. And all I could do is ask why. Um, She started getting high. Everyone knows there's drugs in prison. I was reduced to binging and purging, getting high every day and cutting myself. So, I mean, that's just thinking back to what our responsibility is for people who are incarcerated Mm -hmm. what i mean i feel like it's not a secret that they get subpar medical treatment and absolutely subpar mental health treatment clearly if they're not even really able to keep drugs or monitor that inside of the prison walls um that and like that's not even like could you imagine detoxing within (laughs) prison walls or there's you know many stories about that it's in my mind I in a perfect world you would want the the goal in my mind of incarceration would be for someone to leave a better in a better place than where they entered Mm -hmm. because I think that's the only way that a person could positively contribute to society. Um mm-hmm. and two preventing the harm from the uh wanting them not to harm themselves or others. So are we really putting people in an environment where there is even the potential for them to come out in a better place than when they entered? And I do not feel that that is always the case and and just for the sake of humanity whether or not a person is is guilty or innocent does that affect The type of care they should receive in you know although it can be hard you know i think a lot of people get very upset about people in jail or prison having access to programs like free college or to you know good medical care or mental health treatment isn't in a lot of cases the lack of those things what may have and the lack of good support systems what may have greatly contributed to a person ending up in jail in the first place. So while it can be really, really hard to, or like people who we perceive who have done bad things to want them to get good care, I think that's the only, the only, or not the only hope, but Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it can be hard to, Want these things for people that we perceive have done bad things, but how else do we expect people to be able to like rise up and get
1: to a, a good place in life? I don't yeah. know. So many things that you've said, um, just keep reminding me of Hamilton lyrics Rise up. <laughs> so I no you're good also (laughs) i would like
0: to point out that i just looked up the trial of the chicago seven and it was fred hampton Uh, the character in that movie i might
1: not know
0: i'm just saying i would like to say
1: everyone i was wrong beat me (laughs) (laughs) i (laughs) i don't condone that Watch both movies. I will maybe Wait, one day I'll watch the...
0: What's uh, the other movie on what streaming platforms? Um, I, I have been wanting to watch Amazon, it. Amazon, maybe? Okay, maybe I can take a look. Yeah. But The Trial of Chicago 7 I've watched it. I made my parents watch it. I've watched it again by myself because I just think it's really good. Uh, <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen is just, like, hilarious. I don't think I've ever
1: seen a movie in which he's in.
0: But he's, like, serious, um, so... It's, and he's like really good and Ooh. it has um the guy from the harry potter movies
1: malfoy no <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> eddie
1: red Redmayne. Man- oh, red, oh yeah eddie red Redmayne. Redmayne, Redmayne, Redmayne. yeah okay well now you have movie assignments um i want to end this with one last quote from reality because i do feel for her having been um uh convicted under the Espionage Act specifically. She says, I am not a traitor, I'm not a spy. I'm somebody who only acted out of love for what this country stands for. The end. Snaps for Natalie. Snapping. (laughs)
0: Our music is the track Wasteland by Joseph McDade. His Patreon and our podcast sources will be linked in the podcast description below. Any mistakes are entirely our own, so check out our wonderful sources for the most accurate information about these cases.
1: We talk about some tough subject matter on our show. If you or someone you love is in need of support, please reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting HOME to 741741. They are available 24-7 and will connect you with a trained crisis counselor.
0: You can also reach the National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Join us next week for another
1: episode of Pink Collar, a true crime podcast.